Hello and welcome to the very first episode of an exciting new podcast, Earth Calling, hosted by me, Ed, and a great friend of mine, Laszlo. Hello everyone. Over the course of this year, like many of you, I imagine, the virus has got us thinking about those big existential questions. Why are we here? What happens if it all ends tomorrow? Why the hell do I touch my face so much? And whilst pondering these questions a few weeks ago, we realised that if it does all end tomorrow, what will we have actually left behind? Exactly. If the world were to end, what traces would remain of our culture, our way of life, our values? And we realised that very little would remain. Skyscrapers, sure. A couple of deserted shopping centres. Will Smith, probably his dog. Some cockroaches. But what about our 21st century identity? What of our tweets, our Instagram stories, TikToks, dick pics? Banana bread blogs, sourdough blogs, other multi-grain bread blogs. And that would be a tragedy. It would. It's no secret that we're all creating more content than ever before. And social media is actually the watering hole for the modern writer. So with this in mind, we've taken it upon ourselves to begin cataloguing and contextualising some of the greatest content out there to ensure that if, heaven forbid, we are all wiped out, there will remain a treasure trove of the most important 21st century content ever created. But how will this information reach other civilizations out there, I hear you ask? Well, that's a great question. What we're going to do is we're going to beam each episode out into space in the hope that someone somewhere will pick it up. Exactly. Either that or we load the episodes onto a bunch of hard drives and bury them in a doomsday bunker like they've done with all of those, you know, the plant seeds in in Norway. Yeah, you're going to need to explain that one. Well, okay. well, there's basically this amazing doomsday vault. I think it's in Svalbard where they've collected over a million different varieties of plant seeds and they've they basically stored them in this deep freeze that's like 150 meters below the surface so that if things do go tits up we've still got a record of all of the plants and and stuff right or we just have to hope that they have spotify on saturn or in fact one of saturn's moons which could potentially host human life but that's another topic Exactly. Although there was water discovered on the moon this past week. So, yeah, this this, this podcast could not be more relevant um, to today's climate. Good point. And we all know that water leads to eventually Spotify. So, in any case, in any case, join us, listeners, as we trawl our way through the treasure trove that is online content in the year 2020. Each week, we'll be bringing you a slice of something special from all manner of online platforms, be it Reddit, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, you name it, we'll cover it. Tune in. This is Earth Calling. We thought it was only fitting to begin with the OG, the original gangster of online content, the daddy-o, the godfather, and that is, of course, Facebook. The Facebook. The Facebook? Drop the the. (laughs) One of my favourite lines from the social network. It's much cleaner. My earliest memories of Facebook, wow. Well, it must have been, what, 2007, 2008? 
Gosh, so you were you were quite you were quite an early adopter in that case. Very very early adopter. I remember sneaking onto Facebook when I think originally you could only be from a university or a school, but for some reason I managed to register an account as did many of my peers, and it was just incredible. It was it felt like a more badass Bebo. We all remember Bebo, of course. I can't say I was on Bebo. I, I was one of those rather sados who really kind of tried to stay off Facebook, perhaps because I was worried that I wasn't going to have as many friends as, as my other friends had. And so I joined Facebook when I was 18. Um, 18? Yeah, what, what were you doing? Been, I don't know. I was, I was you know, frolicking um, and sort of having a wholesome existence. And, and um, Oh, right. Yeah. Spin it that way. Spin it that way. But so I joined in 2010 and subsequently I've now got lots of friends on Facebook. I've now got like 900 friends. So Wow. Is this a little brag, a low-key brag? How many friends have you got on Facebook? If I was pressed to give an answer, I'd have to go higher than you. I am pressed. I'd have to go higher than you and say approximately 1,200. Wow. It's amazing, though, to think about all of those people. So imagine if I, if I was in a room with my 900 Facebook friends. I, w- I probably wouldn't recognise at least a third of them. I don't know, like, 900 people. That's a lot of people. I've probably got about 30 friends in real life, if that. Think of it this way. That's like giving three school assemblies on consecutive days. You can only have 300 in a room. That's that's one third of your Facebook friends done. Then then a whole three hundred people come into the assembly room, and you're thinking, "Hang on a second, I just had all my friends in the room." I just remember Facebook being so exciting because of the Great Wall, and I'm not talking about the, the Chinese Wall. I'm talking about your own your own wall, and and the excitement when someone posted on your wall. It was incredible. It was, whoa. Julia posted my wall. I thought I was going to be forever alone, but Julia has just come into the picture. All names have been anonymized for the sake of our listeners. <laughs> exactly. It was actually probably Bob. Um, and uh, there was that extraordinary thing where people would post on your wall, which everybody that you were friends with could see. So you'd see these strange messages like, all right, mate, do you want to go to the cinema on Saturday at four? And that would just be for, for, for everyone to see. And then some random guy would just roll in and like it. And it was, and then, it was so odd. And then Ed, of course, pitches up to the cinema and people say, Ed, this invite wasn't exactly <laughs> directed at you. Sorry. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, I just saw it on your wall. And they'd say, well, yeah, that's because you joined Facebook the other day. Back to the time capsule and the very purpose of our meandering through through Facebook. This week, I decided to look for some of the most weird and wonderful Facebook groups out there. And I came across one in particular that I'd like to share my experience from. Now, it involved a lot of scrolling. I just want to say that off the bat. I started off by typing the word otter into Facebook. And then I, <laughs> I filtered for groups and I kept on scrolling. And it, again, it really was quite a lot of sc- scrolling because... You wouldn't believe how many Facebook groups dedicated to otters there are. And eventually, I came across a group, a closed group, of, mm. a hun- of 106 members called the Singapore Otter Project. Okay, so it's quite an elite club, 106 members only, closed off. Did you have to, you had to submit an application, therefore, to get into this uh, elite group? Precisely. I clicked submit and was very 
very sad to see that I, I would have to pass through the first filter of of judgment to, to, to basically prove fit for this group. And the first question was very simple. It was, when is the first time you saw an otter? So, <laughs> so, so naturally I wrote, the first time I saw an otter, I was only five years old. I remember it like it was yesterday. My uncle and I were walking along a river when suddenly he said, look, an otter. And I looked up and lo and behold, there was a grinning otter right in front of me. And lo, it was an otter. <laughs> and lo, the otter spake forth. <laughs> and then went on to the second question, which was, what is your favourite kind of otter? And I'm not going to lie, I wasn't very well prepared for this question. But after a quick Google, it, it, it became very clear how I should answer. So I said, that is a good question. My favourite kind of otter is the African clawless otter. <laughs> I always thought it was slightly sad that while the other otters, such as the Eurasian otter and smooth-coated <laughs> otter, got to have claws, the African clawless otter did not. Imagine imagine being characterised in your species name as what you do not have. You know, so like, it's like, um, yes, and the trunkless elephant of the yes. lower Okavanga Delta. The, the aggressionless brown bear. <laughs> So I wanted to engage. That was my first thought. I wanted to engage this new community. And what better way to engage a Facebook group than to post a caption competition. So I found a picture of an otter who's just grappled a fish. He's about to bite into it and he's looking a bit sheepishly towards the camera. And I, just, <laughs> and I very simply wrote, caption competition. What's on this otter's mind? And then nobody expecting, expecting a flood of responses from the 105, or at least a like throwing you a bone, throwing you a fish bone. Well, exactly. I really wanted at least some response. And 10 minutes passed, 20 minutes passed, 30 minutes passed, nothing. And I was feeling very insecure. So I decided to, to get the ball rolling and I posted my own caption. Some, some... So hang on. So you posted a comment on your own photo and you liked your own photo like this is sort of facebook uh, anathema you should never do this sort of thing it's absolutely tragic it is the modern day social media psychopath who likes and comments <laughs> on his own photo especially if that photo is an otter straddling a fish um when you've when you've also decided to open it up to the floor you're talking to yourself <laughs> by saying what's on this otter's mind and then you reply with what's on its mind it's 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 completely bizarre um, so I thought this was pretty standard. I posted my caption, and then, would you believe it, 20 minutes later, a lady called Ruth Lowe comments saying, Come and join me for lunch. I can spare you the fish eyeballs. Wait, <laughs> which, was, which was her caption for this otter who's just I see, a fish. I see. I thought she was offering you the opportunity to go and have lunch with her, an otter. In Singapore. Singapore. Kind of... Uh, the food food market. Okay, sorry. So she is the otter she's saying, "Hey, come on over here, join me for lunch. I can spare you the fish eyeballs." Exactly. Um, and and know. if you're interested, my caption was, "Look, mate, we can all be saints. I'm a weekday pescatarian." Because he's got a fish in the photo. I mean, it wasn't great. It wasn't golden, but it led people to maybe want to trump me. I see. So the otter is a vegetarian on the weekends, but resorts to fish during the week. That's exactly what I meant. Got it. My relationship with otters, it's actually very funny that you picked this out because I do have something of a relationship with otters. Um, 
when I was uh, in America, I, I, I attended uh, a school called the Ridgefield Academy. And when I was at the Ridgefield Academy, I had to make what's called a diorama. And a diorama is, for those who are not American, it is a, a project, a design project. And my topic was the Californian sea otter. And so I I'll had to build... I've, I've had a couple of dioramas and they definitely weren't scientific. Right. <laughs> So I had to build this installation on the topic of the Californian sea otter. And I really fell in love with the otter. They're, they're incredibly cool. But in my investigation, I realized that not all is what meets the eye with the otter. They are actually, you know, they, they hold hands and they float down the river very gently. And they're very sweet to look at. And they play around with rocks. But they also have a dark side. Are you, are you familiar with this? I think i know where this is going but i need a reminder yeah so they do they are they do um lit they do rape a lot um <laughs> otters. oh they no do. yeah it's really awful um oh I, I i i'm trying to think of i don't think there's been a nature documentary done on them but um who's the american equivalent of, of david attenborough by the way for a nature documentary jimmy kimmel no. <laughs> I'm joking. Ah, it's it's more it's Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Does Morgan he do nature? Freeman. Does he do nature documentaries? Yes, I think so. Okay, show us your Morgan Freeman then. When Andy the Otter first came to Shawshank River in 1957, I knew he was not like the other otters. On his first day, I saw him frolicking in the river, and I said. Either get busy swimming, or get busy raping. <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. It's we'll not... leave it at that. Okay, we'll fine. leave it at that. So that was my foray into the strange, elusive world of this Singapore Otter Project, which we can safely lock down in the, in the capsule, I think, to show those Saturnites what what we do on, on Earth. And I, in, on a personal level, I know the path is very long and unclear in this Singapore Otter Project, but I do remain confident that I could become a core member of the group, and doing so will provide a rewarding and ultimately enlightening experience. Um, in fact, there's, there's not a doubt in my mind. So, Ed, what have you got for me in the world of Facebook? Well... Interestingly, we've obviously gone down a similar path because I decided to try and find some of the more bizarre groups out there. And I didn't land on the, the Singapore Rossa project, um, but I landed on something that's in a similar vein. And I, in fact, landed on a much larger group of 1.9 million members. So just let that sink in. So this is, this is a large group. It is private. So you have to apply. And I, as you did, applied myself to this group. And just think about the sorts of topics that this might, might include. You know, you might think football teams. You might think big brands have certain pages. Um, you might think about those sort of comedy groups where it was like, oh, people who love the cold side of the pillow. Um, yeah. But no. Um, it's, I was, uh, it, don't laugh. That was, uh, I was a loyal member of that group for many, many a month. The cold side of the pillow. Yeah, I love the cold side of the pillow. No, don't, I mean, don't we all? Um, it's it's yeah. just odd to, to want to um, share that love with other people online, but may, maybe not. Um, but the group 
is in fact called a group where we all pretend to be ants in an ant colony. Um, <laughs> and so this really caught my eye because I thought, wow, there's two million people living in this colony online. And what is it all about? So I decided to submit an application. And similar to the Otter project, I had to agree to certain ground rules. You know, we've got to keep the colony civil. And some of the ground rules are as follows. They actually have a sort of Ten Commandments, as it were. So you can imagine um, whoever digs up this time capsule of ours, they'll probably put this up against or alongside the tablets that Moses brought down from the mountain. Yes. Um, so you've got your, you know, you've got your, be, number one, be kind and courteous. Fine. No problem with that. Do unto others as you should have them do unto you. It's, it's, a, it's a classic. Um, you've then got no drugs, no alcohol. Fine. Um, no hate speech, no bullying, all pretty standard. And then we get to number six. So commandment number six is just called the queen. And the rule is the first letters of the words the queen must always be capitalized. Um, and, and that's fine. You know, no disrespect to the queen. We're all living under her in this world. And therefore, I guess that makes sense. Um, it is odd, though, that there are two million people abiding by this rule when they're interacting online. Anyway, who is um, the queen? <laughs> well, that's that, that my is... question. Is that the admin? Well, that's a very good point, actually. Well, uh, uh, perhaps the antmin. I'm not sure, but um, but so very good, yeah, very we... good. Yes, I mean, look, if we're gonna start with ant puns, let's let's start very very soonish. I I, I don't want to be anticipating. Oh, anything. fantastic! <laughs> really, really fantastic. Um. One final thing I'll just mention is that your ant name is to be simply your current name, but with ant in front of it. So, um, you know, Ant Joe. And please only refer to each other by those names in the group. So you'd be Ant Laszlo, I'd be Ant Ed, Anted. Uh, it doesn't mm. actually have a very good ring, that. Anted um, doesn't sound nice. No. <laughs> But back to the matter at hand. So I put forward my application to this group and was duly admitted. And the content on here is electric. It is not a tumbleweed-strewn Texan town in the same way that the Singapore Otter Project is, whereby you have to post and reply to yourself in a sort of meta hell. It is actually a vibrant group um, with lots of posting. And an example, I will give you an example Somebody has posted a photograph and it says, and she, she's called Sydney, uh, perhaps she's Australian, and she says, I decided to post one of my baby pictures. I'm the one at the very top. And she just posted a photo of some ant larvae on top of a leaf. Um, and, and, you know, that, that's playful. It's, it's funny. It's pretty fucking weird. But the comments underneath it are even better. So Emily has commented, OMG, I didn't know that we went to the same daycare, <laughs> which, has received, which has received 467 likes. And Ryan has then responded going, hashtag only 90s ants will remember. Um, <laughs> which I think is just, it's wonderful. And I think that this... For me, this group hits at a far greater social purpose in some ways. This is not just people talking about ants. This is a yearning for a sense of meaning and a sense of community and a sense of oneness at a time where 
you know, the edges are fraying and the centre cannot hold. You know, the world is in turmoil. And so people are enjoying the structure of the colony um, and they're enjoying this flight of fancy. I also, while we've been talking about this, I've done a tiny bit of Googling and I came across something very interesting called uh, Nuno Sapunso. Would you like to know what a Nuno Sapunso is? I would. It sounds like well, an Indonesian lunch. <laughs> not far off. Not far off geographically. It's a Filipino superstition. So while you can't eat it, it still makes its way into your brain. And what they, <laughs> what they believe, they have this funny superstition about anthills. And they believe that in each anthill, there's this gremlin who curses you if you come too, too close by it. And... <laughs> so these Nunos, they, they curse trespassers, and a curse may include the following. Number one, swelling or pain on any part of the body. Number two, vomiting of blood. Number, th- <laughs> number three, urinating black liquid. And, what? And number four, excessive hair growth on the back. So I like, I, I like how there's three very overtly painful things. Yeah. It curses you. And then one of them is just having a bit of a hairy back. I mean... I, I know which one I'd take. Yeah. So hang on. So it's called the Nuno... What's it called? The Nuno Antpudo. <laughs> the Nuno Sapunso. It's almost like the folkloric guy who came up with this creature ran out of inspiration because you know yeah. urinating black is pretty bad and i can't remember what the other one was but he gets down the list and he's come up with all these creative things and uh run out of inspiration harry back <laughs> harry back moly moly forearm <laughs> one of the other excellent posts i just wanted to highlight is a selection of images which are beautiful drawings, actually, from what seems to be a book dedicated to building the word ant into other <laughs> into other words. So very appropriate for this year is a depiction of three ants lying in hospital beds looking rather unwell, and it just says underneath it, quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, following that, we have a man in a black hat looking like he's from the late 1800s, early 1900s, um, called Rembrandt. You, you sort of, you sort of get the idea. So there's Rembrandt, the um, there's a man, well, there's an ant man looking a bit sort of, uh, forlorn towards his mistress, but quite cool, uh, in a forest. And he's again wearing sort of Edwardian or Victorian clothing. And it says nonchalant nonchalant very um, good again it's it's playful so there's a lot of dedication to the to the content on this group and i really do think that this is worth adding to the time capsule all this stuff because it gives you a sense of the playfulness the irony the the, the, the witty banter that populates a lot of these corners of the internet yeah but what i love what i love is how if in theory you were an extraterrestrial tasked with researching planet earth and finding our hard drive buried away in that bunker you you know plug it into your supersonic engine or whatever you've got to to record information then you'd see you'd see sure this ant group then you'd see 1.9 million members and you would think what the fuck were these humans doing what were they doing they were looking for meaning they were suffering from existential angst and wanted to feel part of something bigger laszlo so they therefore subsumed 
their independence to the Queen, capital T, capital Q, and began building a colony. Um, and they've even got very creative, as we've seen. And they, ca they came up with uh, an anthem. Um, that's anthem, of course. How does, it, how does it work in these colonies? I'm actually just thinking about like the living conditions in one of these ant colonies because it must be bloody cramped down there. Like, you've got, you've got the queen, who I believe sort of sits at the bottom, um, just basically giving birth and giving orders. And then you've got all these worker ants. Like, let, let's imagine, if you will, that a child has dropped a crisp on the floor and the ants spot it. They all need to get it. They lift it. They've got amazing strength, actually, Incredible. ants. Incredible. They then bring that back to the colony and they essentially live in tunnels, um, cheek by jowl or kind of forcep by abdomen. And they, you know, yeah. I, I, and do of course, there's a one-way one system in there. Well, I, about that, I'm not sure, but I just imagine they, they, they've hauled this massive crisp back to the queen, right? You know, that's a lot of work, a lot of manual labor. And then the queen just goes, yeah. have I not told you a thousand times? I do not eat cheese and onion. <laughs> back to just, work. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure the guy dropped a salt and vinegar as well down the road. So we'll go we'll go <laughs> we'll go see what he's got. Um yeah, but but I'm interested also in the logistics of the colony though. Do they have dorms? Do they all do they have like allocated sleeping spots? Is it a one-way system like it's certainly not covid compliant. I mean Oof, I mean, Rona would rip through an ant colony like a hot knife through butter. <laughs> That's true. They definitely don't comply with 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 social distancing. Oh, yeah. Again, so, do you think they also have spotters where they're like, "Look, there's a fat kid. He's probably about to drop something," <laughs> and then they're, like, <laughs> and they're like watching with the binoculars, and then they see like a dollop of jam hit the floor, and they're like, "Right, boys, looks like jam's back on the menu," and they get straight out there. And um, although jam is extremely difficult, they probably get stuck in it, actually. Question, are there female ants that are not the queen ant? Or is it just one female? Good question. I, I wonder, I think there's I think there's ants who are sterile. That That's actually a thing that I came across. There are ants who are basically genderless, I think, and can't, can't either contribute to the re reproductive process as a male or as a female. But... Basically, the, the, the fe and I was also reading into what makes a queen ant, and a lot of it's just chance, really, because it's just this ant that, for some reason, is is bigger and more dominant than the other ants, and is, you know, giving birth at a, a monumental rate. And this kind of organically creates a process whereby the worker ants protect her in the, in the middle of this colony or whatever, in the kind of the royal chamber of this colony, let's say. And what's also interesting is that worker ants, are, it's very hierarchical, the system in an mm. ant colony. So worker ants, as you start off as an apprentice, fresh out of sixth form college, and you're really keen to, you know, get your hands dirty in some in some work, fixing those pipes, whatever. And, and you're, you're, you're thrown right into the royal bedroom. You've got to, you've got to guard the door. That's a really? pretty cool so first job, yeah. Wow, so that's kind of the that's like level one. You you're straight in there, 
fending off. But what are the threats? Are there threats from other ants? Like, or maybe there's oh, anteaters. Imagine that. The tongue of an anteater getting down in there. There we Christ. go. There but we how go. are you going to fend that off? You know, you've just finished, <laughs> as you say, you've just got your AS levels or, you've, you know, you've done your GCSEs and you've gone in for the ant apprentice scheme. And before you know it, you're confronted with this massive sort of pink tongue that's um bashing down the door i mean you're gonna be well, wiped that's, out that's that. when that's when the crisp comes in handy as a shield you've got these, <laughs> work, these worker ants holding it up and the anteater's got to make do with the cheese and onion which the queen famously rejected not not long ago so it all works out in the end perhaps but Indeed. what i what i don't what i don't understand is so does the does the queen ant basically become the queen through giving birth to more ants and then they kill the other women? Is it some sort of like, or is it more of a mean girl style competition whereby it's like, oh, well, I gave birth to 50 ants today and you only gave birth to 35. So fuck you, Sarah. <laughs> so as far as I understand, it's you've got one or more egg laying queens. So these queens who are fertile and giving birth to lots of ants and they give birth to sterile workers and soldiers who by the way are actually technically gendered as female but still can't reproduce god so they're pretty they're pretty ahead of the curve then on the whole gender debate so they they've they've they identify which way do they identify well they they identify as 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 she these workers and soldiers they they identify as she interesting so they identify as she but they adopt traditionally masculine roles and do not have reproductive organs Uh uh-huh indeed and then you've got you've got sexual males and females and these seasonally are winged winged meaning what they fly (laughs) they fly there aren't flying ants come on mate are you joking of course there are they're, they're ants called... that fly. I think yeah, they're, they're called dragonflies, mate. No, they're called allates. They're called allates. They're they're winged reproductive ants from a, a social insect colony of ants. Um, and they're sexually male. Uh, sexually male. And identify as male. Identify well, probably as dragonflies. Oh, that's a real <laughs> mind spinner. That's a mind spinner. Did you another? Another interesting fact related to ants is that back in the day, they used to be massive. So ants actually breathe through their skin, right? So they rely on the oxygen content of the air. Um, And when there was much more oxygen in the Earth's atmosphere, I think, you know, several uh, tens of millions of years ago, uh, ants and other insects were much larger because they were able to absorb more oxygen through their skin, which enabled them to grow larger. So you'd have ants that were the size of a chihuahua. Imagine that. That that reminds me of Jumanji. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Jurassic horrible, Park. horrible flying wasps of Jumanji. Yeah, it'd be terrifying. Imagine actually if a worker ant could <laughs> literally come over, hit you over the head, and take your lunch. <laughs> Be like, this is for the well, queen. The, the issue is that it wouldn't just be one worker ant. It'd be one <laughs> worker ant non-socially distancing to a million other worker ants. And, well, suddenly you've got uh, basically a, a country the size of Iceland. You've got a pandemic on your hands. <laughs> Look, that's the last pun I'll have, okay? I'm fed up. I'm, I've had it up to here with, it, with, with these uh, tran- transgressions. Oh. But, but imagine yeah, just marauding chihuahua-sized ants. Just <laughs> Can you take, please just... stop saying chihuahua because now I I see them as being cute and cuddly. 
And it makes them sound smaller than they actually were. They were probably more the size of a Doberman. A Doberman ant. It's big. Doberman. And then you had dragonflies, wasps. They're all huge. Like, we would have not lasted back then. Well, that's about all we've got time for today. Earth has called. And you, our dear listeners... All three of you. All three of you have have picked up the phone in any case if you've had fun do hit the subscribe button and share with friends and make sure you dial in next week when we will be taking a nosedive into the mysterious realm of questions on quora questions on quora looking as always for some 21st century digital folklore quora folklore you might say you might um but you probably wouldn't You might not, true. In any case, see you then. Earth out.